What's Your Opinion show do not necessarily represent those of the management and staff of WTCA. It's the What's Your Opinion show, our daily talk show focusing on you, the people, events, and issues of Marshall County. Now here's your hosts, Kathy Bodorf and Rusty Nixon. All right, two things. Yes, you forgot to wake up the crowd? No, the crowd is, okay, here's what happens. On Fridays, we have to take the crowd to the football. ball game. You well, know, we have to get them into a different, there's a, it, it, there's a different holding area, and so we haven't, I, to be honest, I hadn't changed the profile on the stream deck yet to the, oh, to the talk show, gosh. so I got caught. I, see, now when I when we were sitting here talking, I said, I'm forgetting to do something. Didn't I? <laughs> Didn't you see me looking around yes. like, what did I forget to do? What did yes. I forget to do? So I figured out what I what I forgot to do. And yeah. the crowd is happy that I finally figured out. Remembered. Yeah. Memory. Very good. I was going to say something about memory, but I forgot what it was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is Monday, and it feels like a Monday today, uh, August the 22nd, and I don't know, how was your weekend? Um, busy, uh, and then not busy, as I, yes. much as it was busy. So. That, that's kind of how mine was. Um, we had our first football game yeah. away, yeah. which was a long drive. Yeah, it was a fun night. Um, what time did you get home from the football game? Uh, it was after midnight. Home after midnight. Yeah, well, because you had to stop and write a story. No. No? You... Home after midnight. The paper was oh. already gone. Oh. The paper was already printing by the time I got home Friday. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was all done. Everything was put to bed. It was out of there long before they I got home. They weren't waiting on you. No, well, they, if they had, <laughs> none of us would be employed this morning. So, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, it was one, and first football night, no matter how many times you do it, it's always, because something weird always happens. Something bizarre or different or just completely out of your control. Uh, Friday nights, I hate them. But uh, Saturday. First Friday or just all Friday nights? Every Friday night okay. during the season. They're just, <laughs> it's, it's a nightmare. I, you, nobody, <laughs> you know, and then you know that on Monday you're going to hear from every psychotic parent in the universe about how well my son had four rebounds not three like you said so you know or oh there was an extra t in my son's name well okay i was typing it five minutes before it had to be on the page i really didn't have a lot of time to go through that thing with a fine-tooth comb it was either get it out there or nothing at all so we do the best we can Ladies and gentlemen, we do yes, the I'm... best we can. There are three of us <laughs> covering six football games and anything else going on and taking pictures, fixing all of that and putting it on a page. Ask somebody who's laid out a page how long it takes and figure out how many shortcuts we're taking. When we do it in, I think Maggie did it the other night in an hour. 
That's a four-hour job. I don't know how she does it, but somehow she figures out a way to get it done. So, folks, I'm sorry. We're not trying to destroy the life of your teenager because we didn't have an S where it went. I'm, I'm just telling you, typos happen. Yes. Sit down. Do me a favor. Sit down. Type 600 words. Put what? it into a format. Yeah. Put it on. Don't even send it to the printer. Just put it in some kind of graphic format on a page and... 20 minutes. If we don't That's what have we're doing time. every night. Yeah, you don't have time that to is... have somebody go over it and no. reread it. And you do work with a program that helps right. on spelling errors, but but if it means they don't catch everything. But if it's spelled right and, and the wrong word. Yes. Or names. It never knows on names. So yeah. With us, it, it it's not... When we have time, not a deal. Friday nights, some nights are... Depends on what you you're... If we're a home game for Plymouth, it's easier on uh, you. Easier, but not much. Because uh, the games get over so late. and full. I, There are times when I'm not back in the office till 11 o'clock in a home game. Jeez. So it just depends. Well, we've got to, maybe we should make the quarter shorter. I've been telling the ISS. Or starting the games earlier? Well, that's, if they would start, see, those are 7.30 games. 7 o'clock oh, games to make it. A, be, seven yeah. makes it a lot easier. I know it sounds weird, but an extra half hour makes all the difference in the world. Every extra half hour you can grab yourself <laughs> makes a lot of difference. So I, I would really like to see some, if you, if you think we're idiots and completely incompetent, that's fine. That's your right. Come, you come have follow a, me for the Come day. and sit and do it yourself once <laughs> and tell me how horrible we are at it. So that was my ax to grind because I just, uh, I don't know. It's just one of those things. Uh, I didn't get back until after the paper was already completely put together. And uh, so that's, uh, that's what we got. But then Saturday was uh, Coach's Corner and then um, catching up on all the things that didn't get done during the week. So, all right. That was my weekend. Uh, well, I worked a race on Friday. Uh, which gates opened at three, you know, and it's Friday. People are working. Sometimes, and I've been, I've tried to be very good. I've tried to be there at two so I could open like 2.15, 2.30, be there before. And I thought, you know, it's Friday. I'm not, I'm going to get there just before three and be good to go. I get there at a quarter till three and there must have been 40 race cars sitting in line waiting to get in. And Jim, their had, horns. and Jim had gotten there five minutes before I had. And when they saw him pull in, then they all got out of their cars and their rigs and came to the window. So I got to the window and he was coming across the field to bring me the money and the wristbands. And, you know, I, I'm like trying to count the money and get the wristbands in order. And, and there must have been 75 people standing in line waiting for a ticket. At three o'clock, so I was like, huh, huh. "So fortunately, Tony stopped. Stopped. He was coming through, and actually, somebody yelled at him. He was driving too fast to go through the gate. <laughs> um, but he came through, and he stopped, and he helped me get started. And and kind of we got the crowd out of, out of out of the way. And then uh, Austin showed up about three thirty, and so Did Austin worked with me because I've been having Crystal and Emma." work with me this weekend my daughter-in-law and granddaughter or this whole summer but 
they're out of they're gone now they're in north carolina so it's like um i don't have anybody help me tonight and so brick offered austin well there you go (laughs) because he gets off early on friday so austin got thrown under the bus but he did a really good job good and we were able to keep up with the crowd one point we did have internet issues and when you're trying to use a credit card you have to have the internet to make the credit card go through and i know there were two fortunate groups of fans that didn't have to pay because i could not get the card to go through and i just said fine we've tried five times let them in you know i'm not going to make people we had people standing in line but then the internet finally got straightened around so made an administrative (sighs) decision i'm proud of you i did good work so then right down on your reform shows initiative yeah. <laughs> there we go we uh st- i st- i sat at that back window I, I know they got the first feature in and then i went and watched the second feature um which brandon smith actually i watched the first feature too because blake smith's girlfriend race no blake smith's wife races in that in a little four-cylinder then brandon smith raced in the second race so i watched his race so and what's then, wrong with what's wrong with blake right why didn't he getting himself in a car i think he i think he just wanted to work on the work on a car no. for his Come wife on. so get in it too and it's a little it's a like what i would call four-cylinder it's a little yeah, car it's like sure we always laugh and they're run by rubber bands you know, well, wind yeah. up the rubber band and away they go but uh <laughs> so we watched her race and then we watched brandon race and um then we started the next race and then it's like okay i've been here long enough i'm ready to go home and i don't know i think it was like 10 or 10 30 so um we went home watched a little tv and that was it crashed for the night i didn't get up until 12 30 on saturday on saturday afternoon. Yes. Well. I woke up earlier, but I had a headache, and <laughs> I was too lazy to go downstairs and get some aspirin and an ice pack and put on my head, so I just laid up there, watched TV, dozed off and on, and finally about 12.30, I said, oh, I gotta get up. And then I looked at the clock, and oh my gosh, it's 12.30, I can't believe that. So I got up, you know, started the laundry, and putzing around the house, trying to get some stuff done. And uh, Laura and Kevin text and said, hey, you guys want to go to dinner tonight? Of course, our response back was, sure. And their response back was, you pick. Of course. Darn, I hate that. So Brooke had told us about a place that they go and eat fish, especially during Lent. Um, It's a big, you know, favorite of their family. So we went to Bob's 19th Hole which is out on US 20 west of South Bend. And of course I had no idea. Austin stopped out at the house and I said, you know, this isn't a dress up place, is it? He goes, oh no. I said, I'm good in jeans and just a sweater. And he goes, yeah. He goes, mom, you're good in anything. He goes, it's kind of like Monday's. Monday's restaurant. Oh, okay. Yeah. How it was. So I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, I put on my jeans and my sweater. And we went up there, and I told him, I said, I know nothing about this. Well, we pulled up, and it's like, wow, this isn't all what I was expecting on the outside. Um, It looked nice on the outside, but I thought 19th hole. Yeah. I thought this was going to be like 
a country club golf type. theme golf yes yeah. and i i get it we get inside and it's like definitely kind of like a mondays um old school bar and grill yeah um definitely very much a locals hangout yeah we got there laura kevin picked us up at five so we got there about five i'll say um, and, and we were able to get a seat with no problem. They just, you know, welcomed us and said, sit wherever you want. So we sat down and uh, came right over and took our order. We started off with appetizers. Laura and Kevin had fried green beans and we had fried mushrooms and they were very good. And then we ordered our dinners and um, let's see. Kevin had the fish. Jim had two smoked pork chops. They were over yeah. an inch, like an inch thick, sure. yeah. big pork chops. Yeah. I had salmon and Laura had meatloaf. Um, I had, and Jim Jim and I both had the twice-baked potato, mm-hmm. which actually comes in a cup. So it's kind of like okay. a mashed potato yeah. with bacon and cheese yeah. and chives on the inside. It was really good. Um, food was hot, came out quick. Waitress was really friendly. Uh, and then, of course... We always try and save room, so I actually brought some of my salmon and my twice-baked potato for lunch today, and so I could have room for dessert. And so uh, Jim got the peach cobbler, and Kevin got the blackberry cobbler, and I shared some of his cobbler. And it was really good, too. It had ice cream on it. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, good. Yeah, so it's not a fancy place by any, any means. You are... You can go and wear whatever you want. Yeah. I mean, you could actually wear your pajama pants in there and you well, would good. be fine. Yeah. Uh, shorts are fine. You, no, I mean, you don't have to have a collared golf shirt or nothing like that. Yeah. Anything is fine. But it just good down-home cooking. They have a big menu. Pizza must be a big thing for them, too, because okay. they make pizzas. And I saw quite a few carry-out pizzas going out. Um, but my salmon was excellent. I cool. really enjoyed it. Laura said the meatloaf was very good. Jim ate one of the pork chops there at dinner. And then when we came home, I thought he was saving that other pork chop for lunch on Saturday. But he ended up having it Friday. or No, lunch on Sunday. He ended up having it Friday night before he went to bed. Well, he that's a good ate thing. the second pork yeah, chop. Why not? So. Uh. But, yep, that was, it was very nice. We got home and were able to relax a little bit. Yesterday, did laundry. I cleaned out some cupboards. And just, uh, my husband complains because I never make meatloaf. He likes meatloaf. And Laura ordered the meatloaf. It said it was really good. So I was like, all right. I'll make meatloaf today. So, uh, Good so for I you. Went to the grocery, yes. got stuff to make meatloaf, and I made meatloaf last night. Jim mowed out at Jellystone, and then he mowed at the house. And unfortunately, I put the meatloaf in around 3.30, and thinking that we'd kind of eat early, and then maybe we'd have a snack in the evening. And he didn't come in until after I called him at 6. So I turned off the oven, you know, and then... About 20 minutes, but I better turn the oven back on a little bit, warm it up, because it's going to be cold. Yeah. And uh, I said, dinner's ready. So he said, give me a couple minutes. And so he came in. I said, it's kind of dried out, because I said, I plan to eat a lot earlier than three hours later. So, uh, yeah. Welcome to my house. But 
but that was life. So, yeah. yeah. You know, did laundry yesterday and cleaned, swept the carpets and some of that kind of stuff. Uh, swept, there's this chair that the cat likes to sit in. So I swept all the hair off the chair from the cat and just, I piddled around on the inside and he did the stuff on the outside. So, that was our weekend. Well. Pretty dull and boring. Good. No, that's, um, that's a fantastic weekend. To me. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, nothing nothing bad about that at all. Did get, um, almost went. We didn't go, but Saturday when we were leaving uh, to go out to dinner, uh, Laura, we had gotten, I, I don't know how, no, Jim just heard it. We'd heard, Jim heard the fire trucks going or the, the right. sirens going. So yeah. he caught the scanner out and we listened on the scanner and that was um, what we were listening to was the accident on U.S. 31 at 18th Road that killed a 17-year-old Argustine. Um, and according to the Marsh County Coroner's report that we received Saturday evening, uh, 17-year-old Emily Carr uh, was driving a green Chrysler Sebring, and she was eastbound on 18th Road and apparently did not yield the right-of-way. Now, this is not the police report. This is just the coroner's report. So apparently she did not yield the right-of-way or there was a stop sign there. I don't know if she didn't stop or what, um, but she pulled out into the southbound traffic and was struck on the passenger side by a, a vehicle that was headed south, um, and she was killed uh, at the site. Uh, of that there were several other i know they landed two helicopters out there so i know there were other victims uh but the coroner's report does not give us that information it just tells us the the others involved in the crash were transported to area hospitals for treatment so right. i'm waiting to get that information um on that but very sad for the argus community yeah. to lose a 17 year old in a horrible crash like that on Saturday. Yeah. You know, just not what you would expect. No. Um, also got some information on Friday, and I finally got they got a, got it sent to me so I could write a story. Um, this actually, this is an interesting, this is a child molesting uh, case, an accus, ac, acquisition, no, it's accusing. A accusing of child molesting. I Accusation? Can't. Yes. There you go. <laughs> um, That's what I'm here for. Thank you. Detective <laughs> Lieutenant Jeff Snyder with the Marsh County Sheriff's Department uh, arrested a 62-year-old Goshen man on Thursday with two counts of child molesting. This all goes back to April 5th when Detective Snyder was contacted by the Goshen Police Department where somebody had come in and reported a child molesting, and that was alleged to have happened uh, in the summer of 2021, so a year ago, at the Playmore Campground in Bremen. And because it happened in Bremen at the campground, it ends up being a county story, even though the victim and the suspect both live in Goshen. It is a, a, a Marshall County. Because it happened here. Right. Okay. So the Goshen report stated that the victim was 11 years old, lives in Goshen with her father and stepmother, and the, the offender was identified as John Kaiser, who is the father of the victim's stepmother. So kind of like a grandpa figure. 
Okay. It's yeah. <laughs> I had to read it a couple of times because I'm like, yeah, father of the stepmother. Okay. So, um, she she had she went to you know gave gave a the in, information there. Then they took her to uh, a specific place that handles with child molesting, and she was interviewed there. Um, she was able to detail two specific incidences that happened at the campground. Um, obviously, she doesn't know the dates exactly, or, you know, that, right. but she just knows it was at the campground. Uh, one time that he woke her up when she was sleeping because he supposedly was trying to take her clothes off inside the camper. And the second time uh, she was in watching TV, he came in um, and told her, come sit beside me. So she came and sat beside him. And then he covered her up with a blanket and then supposedly put his hands in her clothes. Um, he did come in on May 9th to the sheriff's department with his attorney, John Kaiser did, um, and to voluntarily participate in a recorded interview regarding the allegations. Um, during that interview, he offered no explanation as to why the allegations were made. Uh, Detective Snyder said that typically they would offer a polygraph examination. And Mr. Kaiser, who was there with his attorney, said that they would discuss the possibility and get back with them. So that was on, on May 9th. On May 17th, having not heard anything from him, he called Mr. Kaiser and asked to take photos of the inside of the camper for the case uh, so they could determine the locations of everything and how small or how large the camper was. Right. Uh, Mr. Kaiser called back, so he must have left information, I don't know. Mr. Kaiser called back and told Detective Snyder to contact his attorney. And so he contacted the attorney, and the attorney said Mr. Kaiser would not be taking a polygraph, saying that it can only hurt his case. He also said that Mr. Kaiser would not provide consent to take photographs of the camper. So on June 8th and June 9th, Detective Snyder spoke with two daughters of Mr. Kaiser, who they're both in their 30s now, um, and both of them told the detective that Ms. their dad had, had, um, had molested them and had had sex with them, one beginning at the age of seven, the other one at the age of 17. And after that interview then, uh, he was charged with one count of attempting child molestation, which is a level four felony, and a second account of child molestation, which is another level four felony. And John Kaiser is currently being held in the Marshall County Jail on a $20,000 cash bond. So it was kind of interesting. Some of the, I didn't see any much until this morning, and I was looking on our Facebook page. There's a lot of comments about that, of why those other two, who are now in their thirties didn't come forward earlier. Yeah. And um, one of them actually told the detective that they told their mother and she didn't believe them. So, I mean, right. as a child, you're taught to respect adults. Yeah. So it makes it kind of <clears throat> difficult. There's a lot of dynamics going on there. Yes, Definitely. Um, tonight I have, uh, city council meetings, the board of common, the board of public works and safety, and also the common council meeting 
The first one begins at 6 p.m. in the second floor council chamber of City Hall. The second one is at 6.30. If you're coming to the meeting, you enter through the Garrow Street door and then take the stairs or the elevator to the second floor for the meeting. They don't look very complicated tonight. The Board of Public Works and Safety is going to hear from, obviously, various department heads and the city attorney. Also, the clerk treasurer, uh, who will pre- who's going to present a request from Amy Knapp to partially block traffic. Now, it didn't say where or when or why. It just said to partially block traffic. So it's like, okay. okay. And the second one, uh, the Marsh County Auditor, uh, who's going to request to waive late fees for utilities. And I have no idea what that's about. Uh, then during the Common Council meeting, which is scheduled to begin at 6.30, Laura Walls, the Executive Director of the Marsh County Economic Development Corporation, is going to give an update. Um, there'll be an update on the Stellar Projects. Brandon Ritchie is expected to be appointed to the Plymouth Board of Zoning Appeals. And there will be a discussion with Dave Miller on the creation of a standalone pickleball court, actually several pickleball courts, in Centennial Park at the Hunter Tennis Complex. That's something that they talked to the park board about already. The park board is in favor of it. It's just the funding of it. And so um, they're going to come and talk about that. So those meetings are open to the public. If you are interested, especially like in the pickleball thing, if you're interested and want to come in and just listen, you're welcome to. If you want to come in and uh, give your comments, you're also welcome to do that. I mean, they're more than willing to hear from other people um, about that idea. And pickleball is a big, um, you know, up and coming sport right now because it's, it's available for a lot more ages to participate. That's going to be an easy sell to the park department in the city, too, if they can find the, some money. It's just the financing yeah, part it's, of it. It's already yes. in their plan, I believe, the five-year yes, it extended is. plan for the park. That's they something were, they want to do. When they actually built the, the, the tennis complex, yeah, were there were some it. there. Um, but financially, they had to yeah. take those out. And so. If they can find some money, I'm sure that's going to be an easy. Now, you know, once again, how much the city's going to kick in or the park or whoever. I, but that, that'll that bring some some voices saying, do we really need this? Uh, but, yeah. Uh, Definitely. Yeah, if, they can, you know, if they can find a significant amount of money, I don't think that's. It's a good idea. You're adding another facility. You're not taking up. You're not really really taking taking any space. It was already designated for that. It's a grassy area that basically is... It's not like over by the volleyball courts. If you put a splash pad in there, then where do you put the volleyball courts? I mean, there's already... And that was how they wanted to utilize that space in the future anyway. So Mm -hmm. all this is doing is speeding up a timetable. I think that if you want things like this in the community, this is how you go about it. You get a bunch of people that want it. Well, try to find some money and talk to people. Can we do this? Is it possible? You want it. The problem is you can't just say, I want it. You got to help be part of the solution of of getting it. Sure. So I'm going to tell you if you, if (laughs) if somebody wanted, uh, 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 height's going to kill me. If somebody wanted (laughs) to put an entire horse jumping area in that park, (laughs) if they could find the money to pay for it, why would you not? Right. You come in, hey, I got two million bucks here. I want to do horse jumping out there. And, well, two million bucks. Let's see if we can make this work. Yeah. (laughs) So, 
Yeah, if you this want, project isn't quite that expensive, no, uh, no, but no, it's no, definitely no, no. well it's, over a hundred thousand right. dollars. And once again, uh, they, 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 I, 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 I find it refreshing sometimes when people actually go about things in the right way, so that not just standing on a corner screaming, "We gotta have this," you know, instead right. of, "Hey, we'd like to have this." We're going to work towards it. What can we do? What can what, we work together? Yeah. Can you can you tell us what we need to do? Can you help us with putting us at least putting us in the right direction on stuff? I, it's great. Uh, you know, like you don't agree with something at a at a at a meeting. Tell them you don't agree with them. Don't stand up and say you're a fool for that. <laughs> you know, if you want people to, if you want if you want to have consensus, you got to act like you want consensus and not my way. Right, and that's yeah. It, I, I, I'm. It's just refreshing to me to see people do things well, the right way. Well, it's kind of interesting. I mean, they actually presented a concept with oh, four yeah. courts. I'm sure they presented a concept with five courts, and said if there was an adjustment for uh, re- relocating a sidewalk, mm-hmm. they could actually have six courts. Yeah. Um. Obviously, the funding they presented the the approximate funding they presented was for four courts. Right. So obviously, putting in those those other two um, would be more costly. Sure. And I will let folks know that they are not putting in that concrete, like we have at the tennis courts, where they're the I'm tension. Say, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, this would just be straight old poured, you know, sure. concrete or asphalt, whatever they are, uh, courts. So they're not going to go that above and beyond. Yeah, it's a, it's just something that you know. Sounds like these people have actually done their homework and done some legwork for yes. what they want. I, I think I'm, it's commendable. I'm excited to see how that goes forward. So, and honestly, that's really the way they went about uh, redoing the courts the first time. Mm-hmm. Got a committee together and started yep. looking for money. I, you know, because we we'd like to have this. We want to help. Here's what we what do we got to do? It takes time, but. And sure. yeah, we should probably make this clear. They're not building them tomorrow. This is going to be in the future. At some I point. think I think the committee would like to have them in oh, for sure. next year. That would be great. But um, I think it'll probably take another summer. Well, um, whatever what it's going to take is a, a, another couple of dollars. Is what uh, it's that's what it comes take. down to. Yeah, it's going to take the some money. money. Yeah. Um, we're going to take our first break. We have guests in the studio this morning. This is Veterans Day, Veterans Monday. And so Steve Beam is in this morning, and he has brought a couple of people. Um, he's going to be chatting with Charles Brown, who is the warden for the South Bend Community Reentry Facility and also the correctional facility at Chena Lakes. And he is going to talk about the many opportunities for both veterans and non-veterans for employment within the within the Indiana Department of Corrections. And then he has as his military veteran guest, Steve Clifford, who is a former Army veteran who served in Iraq and was wounded in action. And he's going to talk about some of the issues uh, coming back that he felt uh, when trying to find a job. And so that's what we're going to talk about today in today's Veterans Show. So... We'll take our first break and give away a prize. I've got lottery tickets. Okay. I got a fistful of lottery tickets. Good uh, deal. So we're going to, from the Hoosier Lottery, of course. We didn't make these ourselves. These are Hoosier Lottery tickets. <laughs> uh, we're going to give them the color number. Well, okay. First of all, if you've won lottery tickets from us in the last six months, please give somebody else a shot at those because they are very popular. 
Yes, they are. Um, and so caller number five this time is going to walk away with three scratch-offs from the Hoosier Lottery. 574-936-4096. 574-936-4096. Caller five with some lotto tickets. Surf Broadband Solutions is now Surf Internet. And now, Surf Internet is available in Plymouth. Surf's fast fiber internet is more reliable and 25 times faster than cable. Get one gig speed and a free whole home Wi-Fi router for the incredibly low price of $85 a month. No contracts and free installation at a price that's locked for life. We're expanding to more neighborhoods every day. So visit surfinternet.com to check your address. Or call 844-955-SURF for details. That's 844-955-SURF. Limited time offer. Restrictions apply. When you want to know what's going on in Marshall County, just reach for the pilot news. Local government, people, and places. Since 1851, the pilot news has been Marshall County's only daily local newspaper. So when you want to know what's happening around town, pick up the pilot news call 936-3101 today and have everything in marshall county delivered to your doorstep the pilot news you could save big when you bundle your home and auto with progressive but when we just come out and say it it feels like it falls a bit flat so we're going to use humor but we don't want to insult your intelligence so nothing too goofy and we need to avoid any polarizing topics Oh, and it has to be about how you can save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. You know what? Maybe humor is a bad idea. Yeah, it's never going to work. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. You're tuned in to What's Your Opinion on WTCA in Plymouth. Be part of the conversation by calling 574-936-4096 or text the show at 574-307-6647. And now here's Kathy and Rusty. And Sherry. She's our winner. Got the lottery oh, tickets. Oh, I'm glad you said she because if I said Sherry, people were probably thinking something else. But yeah, Sherry, the person, not the drink. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say... I don't think Sherry is a name that can go both ways. Oh, you mean for boys and yeah, girls? But like, no, it, 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 Sh- Sherry Do you is... know how many names can go both ways? Well, you know what I was thinking is I was, I was 
writing her name, I'm thinking, I'm sure I'm spelling this wrong because I, I know I'm... spelling it like the dream. Yeah, I've, well, no, I'm not, oh. but I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I've dated several Sherry's oh. and they all spelled their name different. So, yeah. I hope now, that's been not listening. Oh, 50 years ago? <laughs> Come on. Okay. Very good. Jeez. I, I think she's over the jealousy point or at this point. I think that uh, I think she'd kind of be happy if I had a girlfriend. But there you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. We have guests in the studio with us this morning. This is Steve Beam. Good morning, Steve. Thanks for coming in. <laughs> Good morning, Kathy. And I'm glad I showed up. I couldn't, you know. I wish people could actually see what goes on in here between. We don't. We don't. <laughs> We, we have talked no de- about it yeah, in the past, yeah, we, and we decided against it. We have no desire to have anybody see what goes on in this studio. That would be a bad thing. Well, no wonder you ban cameras. So. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, yep. uh, uh, yeah, good morning, and, and thank you very much for allowing us to be here again today. Uh, if Ren is Van Gilder is listening, he's probably jumping before joy because the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli, were given was presented before the Navy and before the Army. And uh, if he is listening, Ren, don't let that go to your head because it's, you know it's. Uh, I know you you gave Rusty twenty bucks to do it that way. So actually. <laughs> Actually, he just bought me a soda. So oh, it's the yeah. soda. I'm All cheap. Right. I, I'm. It's my bribe is cheap. I'm, right. I'm easy. Well, look, uh, is it okay to start talking, Kathy? You sure are good <laughs> right. to go. Okay. Thanks again. Uh, for for those of you who this is your first time listening, um, we've missed you, but we're glad to have you with us today. The p- purpose of the veterans program is twofold. Number one is to present veterans with um, benefits that. Perhaps they're not aware of. Uh, I have uh, come across a lot of veterans over the years that were not aware of some of the benefits that they were entitled to. And so that's one of the things that uh, I like to do. And another thing that I've encountered through my years of experience with veterans, being a veteran myself, is we have a lot of veterans that have experienced uh, things in their tours of duty, their military careers that... uh, I believe that it's, it would be most beneficial to our listeners to hear and to realize that being a veteran, being a member of the military, goes beyond missing a holiday or a birth of a child. Um, that's in, and not to say that people don't know that there's more entailed, but sometimes people don't. We all have a different story. My story of 28 years is different than the story of the uh, gentleman that's going to be with us today to talk to who had, uh, I believe, 22 years of, of retired service. So uh, he has a story to tell. I had a story to tell. And so always want to get veteran stories out there for everybody to hear and to realize that uh, there are sacrifices that have been made that go beyond some of the things that we commonly associate with. Oh, it's too bad you couldn't be home for Christmas. And uh, I know my first Christmas away in the Philippines was hotter than blazes and no snow. Uh, So uh, uh, I didn't have very good memories of that. Uh, Okay, but uh, we're going to start off this morning, though, with um, Charles Bowen. And Charles is the warden for the South Bend Community Reentry Facility and the Chain O'Lakes Correctional Facility. And he's going to talk with us about some of the opportunities for both veterans and non-veterans 
within the Indiana Department of Corrections, but also what Community Corrections is all about. Uh, uh, I know a little bit about it because uh, I worked in law enforcement for a while here in Plymouth, and also I taught criminal justice courses at, in the college level. So I know something about it, but not quite as much as what Charles knows. And then the military veteran, we retired National Guard Sergeant Steve Clifford, and we will be talking to him about his experiences. And let me say this. I've known Charles Bowen, Warden Bowen, for quite a few years. And I don't know if I ever told him, but I want to, from the first time I met him when he was a young whippersnapper of maybe 16 or 17, I perceived him as somebody that his destination was to pound drums for the rest of his life. Didn't see a whole lot of enthusiasm out of him other than pounding drums. Yeah. And uh, he may he may still pound drums. I know he does. But uh, uh, I'm not, I guess I'm not that great of a, a judge of character because uh, uh, little did I know that he'd give up as a full-time profession, pounding, pounding drums, and went on. I know he worked in the Virginia Beach Sheriff Department for a while. I know he did some things there, started some programs that were uh, very innovative, and a credit to him. He has a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. He was a college, has been a college professor here in Indiana. Uh, he's the correctional department officer. He was correctional department officer for probation, if I remember correctly. Yeah, parole. Parole, uh, warden for two Department of Correction community reentry facilities, South Bend and then Channel Lakes. And that's a lot of responsibilities. And I guess all I can say in conclusion is, boy, did I misjudge you. <laughs> and I'm glad I did. <laughs> I'm really glad I did. So welcome Warden Bowen, it's great to have you with us. Morning. Talking about community reentry, a lot of us go back to the days, maybe even some of the programs where we see somebody's, I think of, what was that, Shack, uh, Shack Shaw, what was it? Shawshank. Shawshank Redemption. Thank you. Help me, you know. Uh, they get out of prison and they go to this halfway house, you know, and that was about the extent of it. That's a lot of the impression we have. What is the mission and, and purpose of the Indiana Department of Corrections Community Reentry Program? Well, this program has been around for several years. Uh, it was started in 1975 in South Bend, and historically it's been work release and, and, and still to this date a lot of people even within our agency uh, refer to South Bend as the work release center and I like to try to change people's kind of what you're calling it and think of it what it really is and that's a reentry center it's community reentry center and that the, our, our goal is to not just put people to work. I mean, we can put everybody to work and, and send them out all day and work and bring them home and they can go to, go to bed tired and, and, and do the same thing over and over. But what I've found, I, I've been in this business probably, I don't know, 34 years now. And throughout my years, I interview people, even when all my years as a parole agent and, and working my way through that, uh, through that side of the, of the things, uh, I find that what 
men really want when they come through this and, and come out the other side of doing uh, their sentences, they need a connection to the community. Obviously, they need a job, uh, but we really don't try to put people into jobs. We try to put them into uh, careers, uh, high demand, uh, w whether it be welding or working uh, certain manufacturing. We have some men who do some friction welding, some uh, very low tolerance stuff, and some more technical things. So we're trying to get them into good paying employment that they can sustain a living, uh, raise a family, purchase a home, do all the things that we all do, uh, that we all strive to do. And so in addition to that, what's really important is that, is that the men realize their connection to the community that they're that they have relationships in the community with with family with uh, whether it be a faith-based group you know something uh, in the community that's a we really promote volunteerism and our goal is to try to connect these men to the community not just with their employment but in a way that they remember that they're part of something bigger i think i've heard it best said by one one man in particular he said to me um you know, before I went to prison, before I was sentenced, he said, you know, I, I, I spent my life tearing down the community and now I want to rebuild it. Uh, you know, I, or I've always taken from the community and I, it feel, I, I want to give back and this feels so much better. So when we talk about community reentry, like I said, historically it's always been go to work, come back. But our, our, the bigger picture here is to get that entire connection to the community in, in many different ways. Uh, Lots of men have uh, broken or, or damaged relationships with their family, and we try to encourage that, they, that the men are able to somehow build that back up. Some of them have children who don't know them or who they've, uh, they're, just, they're just estranged for one reason or another. And a lot of times all they can really do to be a father is that first step is just pay child support. So we just encourage them. Well, <laughs> we force them to if we can. But uh, you need to pay child support. And that's sometimes that's all that they can do, and then, then maybe send cards that their kid just let them know they're there, whatever it might be. But to, uh, trying to work on all these things simultaneously, and it's this is not cookie cutter. When you come through one of these facilities, uh, we everything is tailored to your needs, in in, in your specific life. So when you talk reentry, and we could probably talk talk for a couple hours, and I won't get tired, but. Um, it, it's it's more than just work release, and and that's that's the main thing. Uh, yeah, and that I think that's a critical part of it is because you are preparing them to not go back into the same environment they came out of, which, as I recollect, with recidivism rates being high, usually equates to them going to, returning to, from once they came. So a lot of them are coming out of prison you're screening them i'm sure that there's a process an application it's just not it's not automatic that that they get into the program there's got to be something there that you're looking at and then you're saying okay this person has we are going to be able to give an opportunity and you i, I think of one of the things that impressed me the most was when you invited me to go and watch a play performed up at the what morris civic center up there in south bend they wrote that play, didn't they? Yes. They wrote it and they performed it. Now I, I, <laughs> I was amazed, you know, at at how they were able to do that and uh, do such a great job. 
And then I know Ivy Tech has some educational opportunities that your people have gone through. Uh, you provide transportation. You ensure that they get salaries that are uh, comparable. There's no differentiation between one of your persons that going being hired and somebody off the street. Am I correct? They get the same pay. And what do they do with this pay? Do they go blow it, spend it? How is it? Did they come back and pay for their uh, their room and board, so to speak? Uh, how does that work? Well, when they get paid, it, it actually goes to the reentry center. So we collect their money, and now nowadays it's it's mostly all uh, through direct deposit. So they're really moving into the 21st century with the rest of us now. But the money comes to us. We have a we have a fiscal department that manages that, and they they do they need to do some deductions. So the men will pay. 40% of their net pay goes back to the state of Indi to the Department of Correction for cost to keep, whatever you want to call it, subsistence, room and board. So it's 40% of their net. However, there's a $170 cap per week. So the most these men are paying for their subsistence is 170 a week. And uh, nowadays, the pays are so well, the, the salaries they're making that if they work a little bit overtime, I mean, that $170 really becomes sort of insignificant in, in the grand scheme of things. And a lot of them will complain in the beginning about it, but then it's always funny to talk to these guys after they get out and they say, wow, I wished I was back to paying $170 a week, you know. Well, so, yeah. uh, and then we take a transportation fee, and I, right now I believe it's $21, which is a that's, a, that's an incredible bargain. And then uh, they pay... 10% of their gross pay goes to the victims of violent crime. And many of the men, when they come in, we, we talk about this in orientation. I talk to every orientation group and let them know about all this stuff because I tell them we're not going to have a conversation about this later. It's mandated. It's, it's, in, it's in the Indiana Code. And so we're all going to follow this. And then the rest of the stuff is policy. We're going to follow that too. So we're not going to talk in passing in the hallway. And sometimes the men, they, you know, they used to always say, well, you know, I don't, I don't have a violent crime or I don't have a victim, and frankly, I don't care. It's, it's what we have to do. It's out of our control. And, you know, lesson number one, we can't focus on things we can't control. We can control ourselves. So uh, there we go. Th that's how the money comes back. We hold their money in, in our they have, it's, I don't want to get too much in the weeds, but there's a small portion of it that goes to reentry. Uh, they call the reentry account, and then the rest of it goes into their trust fund, and we help them to manage that money. The men draw uh, what we call a maintenance, where they can $100 every two weeks they draw. That's the money that they use if uh, they take a, a trip. We do a lot of community trips and, 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 and for recreation and what have you out in the community, so they have some money if they want to buy a snack somewhere if they're, at, if they're at a show or something. And then at work if they you know if they're going to buy coffee or whatever then they've got some money for it so there's that money and then they also have they can send a hundred dollars every two weeks home to somebody they had that person has to it has to be an established relationship they're generally on their visitation list their family uh, a lot of times it's you know a lot of times for a guy he's sending money to his mother and maybe he's been locked up for eight or ten or 15 years and his mom's been sending him money the whole time and so now he's going to start sending it back to her so that's kind of the way the money works and if they want to do anything in addition to that 
all they do is they we have a system where they do a request we've had men for example we've had men come in and pay i remember one man who came through and he the entire time he was with us he paid like 243 dollars a month for his daughter's braces we've had men who sent uh, their children to summer camp we've had them paying their mortgage where their wife or significant other is still in the home that they had established and he's making the mortgage payments the whole way uh, helping helping her with car insurance we had one man that I, well there's been several but i remember this guy in particular that he every two weeks he was paying the daycare for his children so these are the things that we do we don't we will not allow them to blow their money we won't allow them to spend a whole bunch of money on something that's we just we take we keep an eye on that stuff well you're tr you're instilling in them a, a, an attitude of responsibility yes and, and oftentimes we they'll 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 complain why this is my money why won't you let me do this or that or the other with my money it's mine i should be able to do whatever i want with it and it never fails that they'll be standing there on their release date in the hallway and run right up to me and shake my hand warden uh well i know it was kind of a pain in the butt when i was here about this money and everything but you know i have seventy seven hundred dollars in the bank or i have twelve thousand dollars in the bank or twenty thousand dollars in the bank and had you guys not been strict on me and let me blow it on dumb stuff, I'd have blown it all. And now I'm starting to understand that this stuff really adds up when you pay attention to what you're doing. So, yeah, there's a lesson there. Well, um, I, I remember part of <coughs> one of the things that as we travel down the highways, and you know I've done a lot of traveling down the highways, Sometimes you see these crews along the highways that got bags in their hands and they've got orange jumpsuits on and they're out there and you say, oh, there's the, the sheriffs or the Department of Correction for the state, wherever it might be. What's the reception that these, your, your residents, I'll use the term residents, are, are receiving when they go, they go to work, you provide them with transportation, they're in a Department of Correction van, I don't know what it says on the side, but they pull up, they pull up and they drive there and the other employees are coming and they see these guys getting out. Are they, are they dressed in civilian attire? Or does that cast a negative reflection upon them and as far as being received by the other employees? Is there problems there? And if so, how do you deal with that? Because not everybody wants to be working around uh, somebody that's been incarcerated. Where there's this stigma, unfortunately, that they're all believe it or not there probably are some innocent people who've been incarcerated so how do you how do you deal with employers who employees are having a hard time with that so that's really it's just never been a big issue now we have some of the men who go out there and they're just maybe they're just not quite ready for this or they're struggling to to be completely responsible and, and adult about things and Perhaps they're maybe they're trying to look for a girlfriend or what have you at work, and we deal with that as it comes along. We have close relationships with our employers, and these are, you know, and I stress this to the men as as the entire casework team does. We have a great team up there, and I the most beautiful thing about this team is they all understand our goals and our mission, and they all believe in it. So when and they all take ownership, and, you know, as if 
you know, they are stakeholders, but it's, just, it's like they own stock in this. So we all preach the message to them that, hey, this is a relationship. We're sending you out to this great employer, but you need to understand we've been working with this employer for three years, six years, whatever it might be. And, you're, you know, it's very important that when you go out there, you carry on what we've built over these years and, and keep that path there for the guy behind you. So uh, there's a lot that goes into that. I, I, I know there's peer pressure from the other guys. Uh, so as, as well as, you know, we, we great relationship with the employers. We talk daily with them. Uh, we go out and visit m at least monthly with them. So it's not – the employer isn't just, you know, an – an acquaintance for us. We, we've got a long-term relationship. We have employers that are out there helping these men find uh, housing. Uh, it, it's just, it, they're strong relationships and they've taken time to build and, and they're solid. Good, well, that's good to hear. Um, now, speaking of employees, um, you've been in the Department of Correction for a lot of years and you started from the ground floor, basically. Somebody looking at an opportunity, and let's, let's focus on veterans now. Uh, I've told you my research myths out there. One of the big ones is obviously you mentioned we've heard PTSD, but believe it or not, there's some myth that uh, military people can't be supervised. <laughs> I mean, come on, they're used to being told what to do and how high to jump and when to come back down, you know, and everything. So, but there's a lot of them. And I, th I think, um, so what are some of the jobs, somebody listening, both non-veterans and veterans uh, within the Department of Corrections, I don't want to say plural correction, I'll correct my correction, and uh, that uh, somebody might be interested in. And then, you know, and then share with us what it is that you find that shoots down this myth about veterans because our guest this morning veteran is someone that you hired a veteran and i know you didn't hire him just because he was a veteran but so what are some of the jobs that are available within your facility not that there's any openings today i don't mean to imply that but somebody thinking well, that that might be and that might be right down my alley. So, what's out there for them? So, there's a lot here to to talk about, and I'm going to try to sum it up best I can. So, my belief, and I know that of our agency, is that if you've committed to putting your life on the line for this country, then you really do understand what it's like to be part of something much larger than yourself part of a team, uh, working uh, for a common goal. I mean, there's, there's so much there that when you look at our agency and what we do, it, it, it very, it's very, it's similar in a lot of ways. So I believe that anybody who applies for a job at, at these facilities that I'm in charge of, I, I, I promise you, if they're a veteran, they're always going to get, well, we try to interview everybody we can, but a veteran's always going to get an interview. And when they start to see how things work uh, and when, when we meet and talk, it becomes apparent to them that this is sort of similar to what I did in the military. I'm, I, I, you know, if I go in here, wow, okay, I'm going to be part of this called a squad, and there's a sergeant that leads us, and that's a lot like the military was. And we're part of this 
this facility or this group that there's several of us together. There's a chain of command. So my sergeant, he reports to a lieutenant. The lieutenant uh, reports to uh, the next person above the line. In my small facilities, it's the lieutenant is our custody supervisor. So everybody under the sort of the umbrella of security falls under the custody supervisor. However, when you go to larger facilities, the custody supervisor uh, might be a major or in some of the other facilities, maybe a captain. So that uh, chain of command is there. It's, 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 so you understand it. So again, it's, it's very familiar. Being part of that group, there's so much that comes with that camaraderie, duty to one another, duty to the mission. It's just, it goes on and on. And as people get into this, they, they start to realize that, wow, this is, this is comfortable. You know, I'm, I'm familiar with this. So a lot of that, when you talk about the larger facilities, is, is even, I believe, even stronger. When I first started my career, I worked in a jail, a large jail, and the, and the teams were all larger, and we had, uh, you had your, your deputies and then your corporal and your sergeant and your lieutenant, and up the line like that. And you did these things, and we do with, in, in RMC as well, and this is really especially important in the larger facilities that there's routine. It, it's regimented. There's things that you do every day. There's reports that you do. There's there, there's things that you you know rounds that you make and and different uh, tasks that you do throughout the day, and you get used to doing these things to where they just become kind of second nature, and and you're you're very familiar. You get very confident in your job. But what happens in corrections oftentimes is you're in the middle of that routine, and then all of a sudden. There's, there's some sort of event, and it might be a traumatic event, it, 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 and it could be uh, from time to time bad stuff happens in the department. You might have a big fight, or somebody might get hurt, or somebody might try to hurt themselves, or you might have a medical emergency. And what happens at that very moment, and, and this, is, this just automatically seems to click with the, with the military people, all of a sudden you need to stop everything and deal with that. It's an emergency, and you take care of business. Whatever it is oftentimes can be traumatic. And when you're done with that, you go back to your routine. So I've heard, uh, and I, I teach this class, it's called Fatigue to Fulfillment, and, and it's for people who have been in corrections and they start to get burned out, or they, it, we, we just call it getting fatigued. A lot of, you see a lot of secondary, I mean, you get experience a lot of secondary trauma, if not just from what you see, but from what you hear, from what you read. Uh, so it kind of becomes a thing that starts to kind of beat you down. And so we have to be aware of that. So the whole camaraderie thing comes in where we pick each other up and move each other along. But the fact that you, you're in that group and you're, you're all serving this mission and then something breaks out and then you take care of that and you go back to your routine um, in this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, it's been compared a lot to, you know, and I don't, I'm not trying to make light of being away at war for your country, but there's so many people that say, you know, this is kind of a lot like it, it the way it's set up and the way the experience is. And yeah. so some people are kind of drawn to that. It does sound like something that uh, and our guest veteran here would probably attest to. I, also with, the, with, our, with our department, it's not – we don't just have correctional officers. There, there's uh, so much more to our department. We have a need for – People who have maintenance skills, people who uh, we have we have partners that supply our medical. We have uh, Aramark who does our our all of our meals and our food preparation. 
and and as fiscal people, secretarial staff. I mean, it just goes on and on. We need people who can drive a truck, people who can operate machinery. It's not in in that way. It's almost almost like looking at military as well because you're looking at your rate and everybody has different rates right. but we're again we're all serving that overarching that overarching mission and our and that's to try to help these people become better than they were when they came to the department well if somebody was interested in it in the something within the real world of uh, corrections would they go up to what doc.gov or uh, in. DOC, how would they go about finding out what job opportunities were out there for them? So you can go to in.gov and you can just sort of follow the links that will send you to our personnel department. Or you can go to in.gov slash SPD or you can in.gov slash IDOC, which is our agency. And all of those at, at some point in there, if you just kind of read, look, at, look through it, you'll see links to careers or jobs, current openings. And there could be something that maybe looks at, looks appealing and it's worth applying and taking a look. Now, if somebody lives in Plymouth or near the Plymouth area, you're within an hour of two major facilities uh, as well as a couple of small ones. Plus, we have parole. So South Bend obviously is in South Bend. So if you're in Plymouth, and in fact, I know that of two employees that live in Plymouth, and there's, we have at least three employees in Marshall County. You, you can drive south to Grissom Air Force Base is where Miami Correctional Facility is. And there's lots of opportunity there. It's, that facility is sort of in a transition. I know they're constantly recruiting. If you go west to Westville, I, I don't know, maybe it's 40 minutes from Plymouth, yeah. 45 maybe. And, uh, Again, lots of opportunity there. You could go another 10 or 15 minutes up the road, and there's Indiana State Prison, which has a very rich history in corrections, and they're just it's just a it's just a neat place. And and again, when you go into these situations, there's all that camaraderie and that uh, that, that fellowship and in the in the chain of command and everything else. That I mean, it's very interesting. And, and whether you're military or not, it's. For, I, I never served military. My entire family served in the military, except for me. I was the rebel, as you might know <laughs> from the younger days. And so, I, you know. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there, there's a lot out there, and it's very, it's been a wonderful career for me. I mean, I started as a correctional officer, midnight shift, trying to scrape my way down a day shift. And then once I finally got day shift, I, I, I made sergeant, and I had to go back to midnights to, to fill that <laughs> position. So, but then you know, studying and trying to get my college degrees together while I was rolling along, it was it was all it was all challenging and interesting. We're on twelve-hour shifts now. If you're a correctional officer or anybody working in that custody, we talked about the security. Uh, you're you work twelve-hour shifts, which I, I guess at first glance you'd say, well, I don't want to work a twelve-hour shift, but I would say, hold on a second, think about this. You work half the year. Uh, these correctional officers work 15 days a month. They're 12-hour days. Yeah, they're kind of long. But, again, you've got the camaraderie. That you're off every other weekend. There's a little bit of overtime already built into your schedule. And the money is not bad. It's not bad at all. Are you recruiting? 
Oh, I guess I am. Let me check <laughs> myself. Yeah, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. uh, I don't want to rush you along here, but they're lining up out here and wanting applications. No, only joking. But it is a good opportunity, yeah, isn't I'm, it? Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say that we really don't have any openings at South Bend. or Ch We may have an officer open one position at Chain of Lakes. Don't, don't get excited now. You haven't <laughs> lost your job, Steve. And then we're also yeah. in need for a part-timer over at Chain of Lakes, a couple of part-timers, and they just basically drive vans and, and take people to uh, different events in the community. So well, it's out there. All righty. Well, I'm going to move us along here. Kathy, you, I saw Kathy. Kathy, taking notes, maybe. Do you have a question or two? <laughs> nope, I'm doing good. Oh. Just taking down information. Oh. <laughs> she's trying I guess to get I a don't job. get this. I may not get to sign a contract. <laughs> yeah. I think she's trying to get a job. <laughs> no, no. You, you raised your hand. Hey, did you have one more thing? No, no. What, oh. what we do have a, we do have a, a recruitment and retention department as well. Uh, as well as we have a veterans. We have a director of veterans affairs yep. out of our central office who, you know, you can reach out to her anytime and get questions answered. Uh, she's, we're proactive, trying to honor our veterans in many ways. And so we, we're, we, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. I'm, I'm proud of this agency. 29 uh, years I crossed last, last, well, I don't know, last month, I think. I, I love what I do. And what, can, what can I say? You found something second to beating drums. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you have a passion. And obviously you've been very successful with it. Uh, and, uh. Uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity that I've had you here that to speak and uh, <coughs> and to share an op opportunities not not for just uh, veterans but for non-veterans as well in an area that a lot of people just ignore and they shouldn't because it's wide open as you've pointed out a lot of opportunities you're full but there were a lot of opportunities. I appreciate you being with us, and and um, Steve, you're next. Uh, you're you uh, you and I first talked on the phone. Uh, your boss actually referred me to you. That's what I've been told. That's what you've been. <laughs> <laughs> and I promised you that uh, you would still walk away with your job intact when we were through. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> you were a veteran, and and let me ask you this: uh, before I get into uh, get into specific questions about your your career, some of the you you've had some experience. You served in 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 Iraq. Yes, I did. You served in Iraq. We're going to get to that, and you had an incident there, and you're going to talk about that. Um, but I want to want to follow up on this uh, this myth thing that exists okay did you sense did you ever as a veteran did you ever feel like your employability was challenged because you were a veteran and if so why when i uh when i first uh, retired i i actually didn't uh, look for a job i didn't start looking until oh probably two three months uh before i uh, found this job um and i did uh, it seemed like uh, I, every time I did apply, um, it came down to I didn't have any experience. Uh, I'm like, what do you mean I don't have any experience? I have leadership abilities. I have, you know, that that kind of experience. And it came down to 
basically no experience or whatever. And then, uh, and, and I didn't list anything as far as like my injuries or anything like that. It just, you know, it was just basically I didn't have any experience, okay. you know, in whatever yeah. field I came to. Uh, and then I I applied for you know the, this job at, at corrections because of my daughter that actually found this and then uh, lo and behold you know here I am working for the Department of Corrections. So you did have experience. Uh, yeah, um, you know, with my it, it came down to you know it, it came down to having 22 years of military experience, my leadership ability. Uh, my, you know, I, I, I don't really know what, what they found in me, but I, I think if, you know, just my military experience, you know, well, uh, got, got me this, uh, opportunity. There's, as the warden pointed out, there's the worth ethic, you know, you're used to camaraderie, the team working together right. and being, when something goes wrong. You're, you're, you're trained. We don't train. Military doesn't train individuals. They train you as a, as a, yes, individually, right. but to, uh, the big key is being able to work together in, in yeah. ha and, co and have each other covered. Right. And that's very important, in whether it be Department of Correction, law enforcement is knowing that if something serious happens, there's somebody's got my back, you know, and, and that's the environment you brought. Uh, as well as your leadership experience. Exactly. Uh, but I, I feel that I got so excited about transitioning, getting rid of this myth thing because, you know, <laughs> I forgot. This is our guest, is Steve, Sergeant Steve Clifford. Uh, he He's retired 22 years, right? Right. Now, you've got a – you and I have sooner career paths. I did 10 years active duty and got mad at the Navy because they – coming out of Vietnam, they wanted to keep – PNA, pass not advance, pass not advance. You know, when you go from 60 promotions to, to the, the year, the cycle before you go up for promotion and it drops down to, to zero, <laughs> you know, how do you get, you pass the test, but you don't get advanced. Right. And maybe you felt some of that. So I got out and went in the reserves, stayed right. in the reserves in seven years, got in law enforcement here, chased some speeders around town, you know, and, and uh, what have you. And then went back in and, and retired from the Navy. You did, and then we're going to pick up with that. You started off with the Army. So mm -hmm. let's talk about the Army first. Uh, why did you join the Army? What, were you right out of high school or you were an old man or what? No, actually, still I, I did it. I, uh, I didn't actually listen until I was 21. And there, there was a, a long story about that, but I won't go into that. But uh, I, I didn't actually join until I was 21. Uh, in, in 1991, April of 91. Uh, and then uh, uh, I actually started off as an 88 Mike, which is a motor transport. And I, I didn't particularly care for that. That's an MOS? Uh, yep, yep. It's a motor transport. And I went to Fort Leonard Woods for basic training. Well, well, how did you, you didn't, you started out, you were in boot camp. Did they pick that for no, you? No, I actually chose that. I, chose why, that. I have no idea. <laughs> why I chose that, I don't know. For the life of me, I don't, don't have a clue. Uh, it, it sounded good. I think it's because uh, at the time, uh, my mom was married to uh, my stepdad. He was a truck driver. 
my uncle was a truck driver. I thought, well, you know what? Maybe when I get out, maybe I'll be a truck driver. Yeah, that was a dumb mistake. <laughs> so, so <laughs> I, I hated it. I, I well, honestly, God hated it. What and you you actually tried driving trucks? No, I I did it. I I just did it for uh, you know I did it for a little bit, and then uh, uh, then then I got out, and then uh, I when I got in the guard, I I we strangely enough. We uh, went out to a firing, uh, the firing live fire range to deliver a tow missiles, and uh, I was standing out there watching them fire. Like my, I want to do that. What's a tow missile? It, it's a it's tactically uh, tactically guided, uh, optically sighted or t- yeah, tat- yeah, tube launched, optically sighted wire guided missile. Is that? One of those things they put up to their shoulder. and That's s- a dragon. That's a dragon. That's a dragon. Um, I watched Audie Murphy do that. Yeah, that's a dragon. Well, that, that, that's a bazooka. That's what you're well, talking about. Well, I couldn't about. think that's of that. World bazooka. War II. All right. Uh, kind of a uh, bubble gum. Uh, right, nice. yeah. Okay. That's a dragon. You're you're thinking of a bazooka. There you go. Uh, this uh, was different. This is a, a dragon. What you're, uh, the dragon is sort of like a bazooka, but... Mm, Similar. Uh, similar. Okay, yeah. now I'm with no, you. No, a tow is a, is a, a it could be it could be launched off the ground, but uh, what I'm talking about is launched off of a home B. And uh, I seen that, and I thought, you know what, I want to do that. So I <laughs> I started talking to the guys, and they said, well, let's uh, let's go talk to the first sergeant. So we went talk to the first sergeant, and uh, lo and behold, I got my transfer, and uh, I I did that for about seven years in the guard, and then there was some. <clears throat> there was some uh, whole bunch of crap that went down. I mean, sorry, some <laughs> stuff that went down, and oh. I went to I went to the. You're all right. I went to the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, you're fine. I Believe me, worse things get said <laughs> on this radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I told him yeah, I say kind of like Sherry. <laughs> I, 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 I was told I was told by my I was told by my I was told by my uh, uh, Sergeant Taylor and Officer Sharper said, "Don't be Clifford." <laughs> don't be Clifford. Don't, don't be Clifford. Isn't there a cat named Clifford that's in the cartoons or something? Is that what they're talking about? You know, yeah, I say some of the off-the-wall things and don't even think these about guys, it. These are guys. This is a camaraderie yeah, these, we talked about. These are the about, guys right? I work with. Don't, okay, don't, don't, don't be Clifford. Don't be Clifford. Yeah, okay. don't be Clifford. Right. Well, well uh, so so we've gone – really got you – you got us into the guard real fast. From I the, did, yeah. But, I didn't really so, have a really good experience so, when I was on 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 active. I, I didn't. I you, didn't care for it. At you didn't all. care for. You didn't care for your active duty. No, Where were some I didn't, of the bad no. experiences? That, I just that didn't like being. Not going to throw you in jail. Yeah, no, no. I didn't. I mean, I just didn't care for it. I, you know, being an eighty-eight Mike, I, I just. Just, was, I did not like it. Well, well, that's the job, right? Yeah. But what yeah. about was some of it had to do with uh, your duty assignments? Yeah, I just didn't care for being a truck driver, and uh, you know, at first I thought I was going to like it, and I just didn't like it. Where, at all. where were you first assigned? At Fort Leonard Wood. Fort Leonard Wood. Yeah, mostly Wood. Fort Leonard Wood. And where's that? At Missouri. M- Missouri. Yeah, Missouri. Okay. Right. You know, it's, it's down. It's okay. close to. If you've ever been to, uh, it's just. It's just I've been everywhere. Uh, around Springfield, around Springfield, Missouri. Yeah, between Springfield and Rolla. Just passing through. Yeah. Who wants yeah. to stay in Missouri? Yeah, oh, it was miserable. <laughs> I hated it. Oh, well, you, well, yeah. I I rest my case. Yeah, it, it was not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, and, and okay. there's a reason why they call it Lost in the Woods. Right. Fort, so Fort Misery. Did yeah. you did, did you uh, did you live in tents or do you have relic no, barracks? No, we had barracks. How was the was food? Barracks. Did he feed you? How was the food? Was there anything we're, good about it? 
It's the military. I mean, the the food was nasty. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> I mean, uh, not, now if you ate is a if you ate is a defect, it wasn't too bad. But I mean, oh. we're talking about MREs here. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> yeah. Nobody likes those. Nobody. <laughs> Civilians maybe, but I mean. Did you ever get anything that wasn't an MRE? Or? Oh yeah, of course. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if the, the so this was stateside. You're eating this stuff, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we ate that in Vietnam, but come on. Now, I mean, the infantry. I mean, you eat anything if you're hungry. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. I enjoyed my infantry life. Uh, why did you enjoy better. that? I, I mean, because it was more. I think it was more my. Uh, I don't want to say mentality, because then I'd be dumbing dumbing myself down because. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in the military life, I mean, everybody thinks of this infantry guy as the, as the, uh, I don't know. We we, we have to take our boots off to get past twenty, you know, to, you know, to count. That's, that's that's what it pretty much comes down to. We're just, we're just nothing but door kickers. <laughs> <laughs> and see, I would have thought just the opposite. I thought infantry, you'd be the macho men. We are. Mm. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. You just we're didn't the, have it upstairs. We're the brawn, but nothing Not the brain. Yeah, yeah, there's no, yeah, there's a brawl. Well, Kathy, if Ren's listening, it's because he makes us think that it's macho man, you know. But there when it comes go. right down yeah, to it, we're actually pretty smart because we, we have to read maps. We have to, you know, we have, well, to, yeah. you know, we have to really, uh, when it comes right down to it, we're actually pretty pretty smart. But you know, because but in reality, the, the where it comes from is in in to in order to to get in the military, to, uh, in, in in the army anyways, <clears throat> you have to the lowest score to pass the ASVAB is like thirty two. Really. And 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 when you pass that, the infantry is where you know where you go. <laughs> so well, that, that's where the myth comes from. It's like so oh, the job myth. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so it's like now you're bringing it down to intelligence level. Yeah, exactly. Oh, but see, you know, I I scored a 54 without even studying. Well, so that's it was, good. It was like well, you could have had anything you wanted. And you picked truck driver. Yeah, exactly. But then I switched over to infantry. It's like okay, now it's like it's like. And now you've dumbed yourself I down. I dumbed myself down. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. Taylor Taylor at work pays on me all the time. Is don't don't even bother trying to count because you, you're you're nothing but a door kicker. Like, oh, all right, what the heck? Well, you know, come on. You're you're putting Taylor on report in front of your boss, exactly. his boss yeah. now. Yeah, he's wrote down Taylor is a dork. Huh? Just don't even you know? bother. Evaluation you're, time. You're, you're a door kicker, man. Don't no. even bother. So okay, so so, oh my gosh, we've gone from. Uh, now it sounds to me like you you were pretty much anti-military when you got out of the not army. Not so much anti-military because I absolutely love the military. I really do, and I still do to this day. Well, that's from what you've said about your I first just, army I just did experience. Not like my, I just did not like my job. Right. So so why? So you come right out of the army. You didn't like your job. Some of the meals weren't the the best. Uh, well, they never were. Yeah, they never, <laughs> uh, living conditions, yeah, living you know, conditions. the location was terrible. Were, were, you mar- were you married this time? I, I actually was. Uh, I got How, married to my first wife. How'd you do with family separations? Were you able to take them to Leonard Wood with you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, uh, and well, actually, I got married after that. I'm sorry. And then uh, I got married after I got back. You come back on leave? Yeah, I got, no, no, no. That was later on. 
Oh. No, we're skipping ahead here, like several I'm years. I'm skipping ahead on you. Several years. <laughs> several years. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. But yeah. anyway, you were married. Yeah, I got married. Uh, and then uh, I had my, uh, you know, then I had my daughter. Okay. Uh, she she wasn't born until like 93, which is after I got back. Um, and then, then that's when I got into the guard. Okay. Um, so why did you go into the guard? What was it about the net? And we've got a national guard here in Plymouth. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can get some guys excited about going down and joining because there's always a need in the, in the yeah, national guard. Yeah. So what was yeah. it about the guard? I, it's just, I mean, it, it, I got, I was home a little bit more, you know, I got, you know, back then, I mean, in the nineties, we were still in peace times. I mean, you know, I, I got in right after the, you know, right after the uh, desert storm. You know, so my first ten years were peacetime. You know, so you guys there really wasn't much going on. So, 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 what did you do as far as I mean, for those people who not, don't know, uh, how often did the guard guard meet? It was just you know one weekend a month, you know, two weeks out of the out of the right. year. You know, okay. back then it was pretty laid back. You know, yeah, it wasn't. You know, it was a, the role was a much different. You know, at first I thought, you know, I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. You know, I, you know, I'm not gonna pull no punches here. You know, it's kind of, you know, back then it was, you know, a lot of people looked down on the guard, you know. Weekend warriors. Yeah, weekend warriors. Didn't have exactly. any confidence, didn't trust them, right? Yeah, What exactly. do they know? You know, back then, but, you know, I, I still took it pretty serious. You know, that was just my, it was just my mentality. Uh, so, so, okay, so you joined the guard. Um, now, did your MOS... Is that correct, MOS? Yeah, uh, eighty-eight. Yep, 88 did that transfer? It did. It transferred yeah, that's, over. Yeah, that's when I. That's when uh, I, I. I came. I came back and still was a uh, eighty-eight Mike, and then that's when we. Uh, when we t- del- we went to the firing uh, at at Camp Atterbury, we delivered some uh, missiles out to the t- uh, firing lane, and I, yeah. I, I watched that. I was like, no, I want to do that. Okay. So you, you we, like uh, to see things going bang? Oh yeah, and boom! I like to blow things up. Okay. So it's like, <laughs> so it's like, uh, I we, I talked to the guys and uh, I said, well, let's go talk to the first army. And we did, and yeah, uh, you, and you got that. And we, I, I went okay. from the Fort Wayne unit to the Huntington unit, and my that's where oh. my career kind of took off. So let's get the we're out of the peacetime mode. Nine eleven. Iraq. 9-11. Talk about you got your unit got called up to go to Iraq. Yeah. Right? We're at uh, we're at in Iraq. Where I was stationed at a, a place called and I, and I don't mean and I and I have to uh, say you know and, and when I say this I don't mean I don't mean Key West, Florida. I mean Q West, and uh, and that was uh, just uh, south of uh, Missoula. Uh, on a and a quarter of uh, Route Richmond and uh, Route Tampa. And if anybody's ever been in Iraq, if you don't know where Route Tampa is, you was not in Iraq because that was like uh, horrible. Well, what was you, when you say horrible? Was this all desert land? Yeah, it's hot. Like, it was a, scorpions. Q West. Q West is a, a, a strategically placed airfield, Iraq airfield. Uh, it, it it literally is out in the middle of nowhere. Okay, so you, so you're in. The, uh, what was your first thoughts when you got off the plane and saw where you were? Oh my God, this is hot. This is hot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's kind of felt in the Philippines. It was horrible. <laughs> my first oh my, time there. Horrible. 140 degrees every day. 
140. 140 Did they degrees. tell you that was, it was a dry heat? And, it, yeah, it is a dry heat. Yeah, it's okay. still hot. Yeah. 120 in the shade every day. Uh, you lived in air-conditioned barracks? Uh, not barracks. We had what we call as a CHU, central housing units. Um, it was, you know, okay, uh, to, to, to give you a picture, you know when you're sitting at the railroad tracks and you see those, the, the, the car, the, the, <laughs> Rails, uh, the those big box cars, box carts that yeah. go by, that's exactly what they are. They just <laughs> hollowed out and put those steel panels inside. Yeah, and a little bit of air conditioning. If you're at the back of those, uh, it's still hot. Still you gotta hot. have a fan to draw the air conditioning back in. So how many men were living in this? <clears throat> there box? was three. There was three of us in in in, in mine. Uh, Three uh, men. Yep, three, three to three, three to ours. Was this self-contained, or did you have to leave the box and go somewhere else? Down for the facilities. As, facilities oh, that oh, have water and bathroom facilities. No, no, we had to. We had several. Uh, had to leave that and walk through these. Uh, why, for God's sakes, I don't know. We had these little pebbles that we had to walk through, and I don't know how many shower shoes I went through walking through <laughs> these because they busted out. Like, why do I even bother? So it's like, oh, it was crazy. The, the, was the pebbles the kind of, well, I'm trying to. It was like gravel. Was like you had the, what? you know, what, you know, the little shower shoes, like flip flops. Yeah, yeah. I broke, I don't know how many flip flops walked through these pebbles. They mm. get caught in and like rip the bottoms right out. Like from then on, I just started wearing my tennis shoes in the shower room. <laughs> Somebody right. could have set up a flip flop sale business <laughs> over there. It sounds to me. I don't well, know what made me think of that. It's like I uh, I don't know how many showers. I was like, why do I even bother buying these? So I just started wearing my tennis shoes in the shower yeah. room. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, that's a good. Um, so you had to leave. Um, let's talk. What about the food? Did did they give you? Were you back uh, on MREs? You know what? The, at the, at the, I have to admit now the food at the defect was actually phenomenal. Um, What's the defect? The uh, dining facility. Oh, the dining facility. Yeah, it was actually pretty nice. Uh, however, it got repetitive because it, it got to the point where you could actually tell what day it was by the food um, that they served at the yeah? dining facility. Oh, yeah. Um, it was kind of a. Uh, uh, it was like a variety of different the, countries, basically. I mean, because we had we had people from the Philippines. There was Turkish. Oh, there. that's right. It would be like wow. a, a NATO uh, type of uh, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, United Nations. And then like on Fridays. I mean, if you were lucky to be there, because like lucky if, to be there, you felt yeah, lucky uh, to if, be there. Yeah, if we were out on missions, a lot of times oh. we wouldn't eat at the defect. We'd uh, uh, we'd have our own. We'd have. Uh, We'd eat, eat at different, like, say, uh, we, we'd go to Kirkuk and we'd uh, eat at that dining facility, which was nice because that was ran by the Air Force, so they had better food. Uh, I know. <laughs> but, I'll give the Air Force that. Uh, yeah. They build mess halls first yeah. and barracks, living, and then they go back and ask Congress for runway money. Yeah, exactly. Then they go back and ask Congress for airplanes. Now, if we were lucky They're enough smart. to be back yeah. at, the, at our well, facility – on Friday nights, they had steak and, uh, and steak and lobster. So, I mean, sure that wasn't scorpion? It might have been. It might have been. <laughs> I wondered why it was so it's small. A, yeah, well, let's get you on a trip. Where you're in, you're you're driving. Are you driving the Humvee? Yeah. You're driving a Humvee. How many men are in this Humvee? Three. There's three of us. Three of them. Yeah, we yeah. there's a, we uh, have our TC, the driver, and the gunner. Okay. And a lot of times our 
we would switch spots between the driver and the mm-hmm. gunner. So you're on a road, right? Mm. This is a is this a road that's supposed to supposedly have been cleared for travel or had it not been cleared? <laughs> supposed to be. Supposed yeah. to be. Okay. And what happened, Steve? Oh, uh, well. <laughs> strangely enough, I mean, you, uh, our vehicle usually was a trail vehicle, uh, which was fun. Trail we, vehicle. We, we like to be the trail vehicle. So there'd be what? How many in front of you? Oh, uh, how many? I got re- I got to recall how many vehicles. I, I, honestly, God, I can't remember how many vehicles. But, but really a few had. vehicles. So, so, strangely enough, there was two scout vehicles, um, and our second scout vehicle lost, uh, or our lead lead scout vehicle lost all electri- electronics, and so they had to come back into the end of the end of the actual convoy. They okay, and so we ended up coming up into. Are you okay talking about this, Steve? You don't have to talk about this. We had to come up and take the second scout. Oh, you're back in the line, and then they push you to and, the and, and front. See, yeah, and uh, yeah. Wow. our Humvee is not actually set up to be a scout vehicle a scout vehicle because mm-hmm. the lead scout vehicle has what they have actual rollers in front is that to d- yeah if detect? they roll over they roll over they're several feet out in front oh so that would if they roll over the IED they that takes the detonate the of the, oh, okay. the IED they as the ASV which is the second scout is designed the 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 bottom of it is designed to, to take the blunt of the yeah, I can remember loading. back, back years, you know, several years ago, because they made the Humvees in South Bend at AM yeah. General, and I can remember them talking about having to reinforce them. We had enough. Um, yeah, I remember that. But yeah. uh, obviously, they couldn't get every single one reinforced yeah. either. Yeah. I'm sure that's why they, those lead ones were specially set up exactly. to be out in front. Yeah, there was like a V bottom where it would, it would, it would yeah, and the blast would actually it, go out. So yours was different. Our, our, we had an up armored Humvee, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't, wasn't exactly, v, wasn't V yeah. designed. And, you know, I, I don't remember a lot of it. Actually, what happened was, is we went from avoiding the, the IEDs to actually finding some of the IEDs. The, the, com- the rest of the convoy wouldn't get hit. And we seen something and it didn't look right. So we went over to, to investigate and lo and behold, you rolled were right. over an IED. Yeah, and okay. now, you know, fortunately, it, it it wasn't severe because it must have been like sometimes they planted them like too deep, and so I mean it it wasn't a whole lot of damage. Now I I don't recall a lot. I just remember waking up, and hey man, you okay? Yeah, I'm I'm great, you know. And they were hooking everything up and everything, so we rolled in and. What do you mean hooking up, everything up? I mean to try, it, it, to, to I, take it away, take the the Humvee away. Yeah. So what did they take you and your yeah, uh, your, we, your partners? Yeah. To the hospital, yeah, to the yeah. to the medical tent. Or? Yeah, and and then, I mean it, it was a you know I just re- recall asking what you know how they were. I didn't really care about you know myself. I was more worried about them than me. Were you in shock? I I was. I mean. I was you, just trying to figure out what the heck, what the heck happened. So you know? you're concerned about them. 
Yeah. You're I not just, feeling any pain at this point? Yeah, at that time, I was just, everything was just, I didn't, you know, I was just wondering what the heck, you know, I just, like, rattled, you know, I just yeah. didn't, I was just more worried about them. Well, Steve, when did you start to realize <laughs> that you had incurred some damage to your own self? Uh, yeah. Probably maybe more like the, you know, I, I knew I, I hurt, was hurt, but it, it's, it's one of those type things where it's like you just ignore the pain and keep driving on. And then the next day I came and uh, for our, uh, our platoon meetings, like uh, my platoons are like, what are you doing here? Why aren't you, at, you know, at the TMC? And so I said, all right, well, I go. And then I went to the TMC and that's when they found out that my uh, uh, lower back was, uh, was fractured. In, in how many places? Every one of my lumbars were fractured. Every one of your lumbars. Walking around with a broken back. How about that? And uh, Isn't that something? Yeah. Now, the uh, military didn't do Let me just ask you this, because I've rolled around in a vehicle in the Philippines, and I've got back and neck problems today. Did did they not think to check for, do just as a procedure maybe to do some scans since you that happened that maybe x-rays at the they, time they took, that's how they, they did they but not until x-rays. after the after you had pain right yeah i, mean, you, I, mean, I just didn't, wasn't a standard procedure i mean they did i mean it was a, it was all on me really i mean because i didn't go you didn't well you said did. you were okay it, it, it's one of those things but i'm okay you know so i'm sure that after they discovered you broken every one of your vertebrae they put you in casts and everything no. else no what did they do i mean there's not, not much you really can do i mean there there's compact fractures i mean well my mother broke her back when I, we were children here in plymouth and they put her in a cast no they don't do no, that no no they all they do for all they they just you know hey you're on a we have no alternative but to put you on what they call a dead man's profile, which means you're nothing more than a paperweight. And <laughs> it means you don't do much. Exactly. You don't do <laughs> much. Sit around. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, they give me the option to uh, either stay, you know, in, in country or go home, and uh, I, I chose to chose to stay in country. What would you don't Would you have done if you went home? Was the option to go home and, I would have and be a paperweight there? Yeah, or pretty much. Are they trying to get you to the end of your enlistment, or what were they trying no, to do? No, I, I, I would have been able to stay in, but uh, I, I, I chose to stay in country. However, I, um, I, was, I was getting ready to come home on leave. I came home on leave and then went back over um, and finished out my tour. Uh, I uh, Did... did uh, did have you had any continued medical problems as a result of, of that explosion? I, I I I have. Um, after I got home, I started having massive uh, migraines, uh, and that's when uh, then I then I found out that I have a TBI. TBI. Uh, traumatic brain injury. Okay. Um, and then I've continued uh, back issues. Um, and it's, then I, uh, uh, in 2010, I started having seizures, which I found out that that broke my T11. I was in the hospital for like four days for that. Uh-huh. Now, you are, are you using VA facilities? Yeah. So yeah. did somebody... Put you into onto the VA or no? I was a, I was already in the VA system. You were okay. Yeah, already. Yeah. Um, 
how do you find that system to help? Are they? Have you seen? Well, I don't. Do want you to, find it complicated compl- sometimes? Because yeah, yeah. we're just my husband and I is just getting started in it, and we find it it's complicated extre- extremely. sometimes. I I, uh, I I I gotta be honest. I uh, right now I'm to the point where. I don't even want to go to the VA. I'd much rather go to civilian uh, doctors because you you have to go to one doctor to find another doctor to another doctor to find another doctor. As <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I'm uh, even to get the VA isn't uh, referring you. They're doing a lot of referring out now they into do. the community. And they do now, but at first. At first, it was like it was like pulling teeth to just get something taken care oh, of. Oh yeah, even to get my meds is is crazy. I mean, I I get it, but at the same time, I mean, I struggle with PTSD, and 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 all the all the goodies that go along with it. In order to get my medicine, I have to go see the psychiatrist and all this stuff. I was like, look, I I don't have an issue with that, but at the same same time, I still need my meds to keep my level, my moods. Like sure. Right, right now, I mean, I'm like, I, you know, I know people can't see it, but right now, I'm, 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 I'm. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's I upsetting. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and in order to keep me myself at that level, I need need my meds. So so they they make the medicines available to you though, don't they? Yeah, but in, I have to jump through hoops just to get it. You have to make sure what that you continue to go and yeah. and, and have counseling. Yeah, without and the counseling, they won't give you the exactly. medicine. Exactly, and I, it's not that I have an issue with that. It's just um, sometimes you don't want to keep bringing it up. It's exactly. just like, give me my pills. You know what's the matter with me? You know yeah. what caused it? It's not going to go away. Yeah. yeah, let's just give me my meds, and yeah. my life is normal. Leave yeah. me alone Cause, instead cause of dredging up the past always. I, I hate that. You know. Yeah. I. Uh, I, I I even I talked to my daughter you know, last night. I said I don't I don't know how I'm going to feel about this. You know, because at the same time, I ha- I don't have a problem, but at the same time, I have I have pro- sure. problems. Yeah. Well, Steve, we we you, I I commend you for being willing to share this with us. When did you get out of the yeah, military? I, re- I retired uh, five December two thousand twelve. And I and didn't. See, I didn't want to. <laughs> in 2012, back then, I mean, we've been very fortunate. Um, you know, when when Senator Donnelly was in office, and actually, right now, with Senator Young and also Jackie Walorski, representative, those three have always been very pro veteran and have worked really hard to make, especially because, and I, you know, we haven't been not even been involved a year yet, so. But to get facilities here, because I know back in the day you had to travel Marion and Fort Wayne and nothing was local. And so they've they've made big changes in strides you're, you're uh, right. in the VA. There's a, lot of right. thi- there's a lot of things that certainly need to change more. Well, and, but, and uh, my concern, we've got to get somebody to replace, unfortunately, the loss, the passing of uh, Jackie Wolorski. Right. To, because we need people, people who have a, a understanding and appreciation for military veterans mm-hmm. and what they've done. 
That's the one thing with Senator Young. He is a veteran. Yeah. So that's kind of nice that you have somebody that's been there, you know, probably not to this situation, but he at least knows the system and how it works. So it makes it easier. And he was very receptive to, uh, he sent a a flag and a personal note to uh, Jim DeWitt. Because he was a veteran, I think, you know, and he understood. Uh, but but um, the the what was I going to say, Steve? Here with respect, um, you should be. You didn't get any medals, did you? You didn't get a purple heart, did oh, you? Oh yeah, I don't. Uh, you didn't get no, a purple I didn't. heart, and that I, I that doesn't matter to me. Yeah. No, but the point I'm going to here you are. You you served. You went into the into what was called. The weekend warriors, who have picked up so much slack, and that's exactly what the military ranks, full-time military ranks, have been dwindling, and they're calling more and more on the reserves than the National Guard. Yeah. It's not a picnic. When you join the Guard or the reserves now, you're you're really setting yourself up for an unknown. You know, your employers now have to worry about, and this can be an employer employer uh, problem with as far as whether they hire somebody who's in the guard or in the reserve or who doesn't. And they they're not going to tell you because they can't legally do that. Hold, keep you. If you're in the reserves or the guard, they have to give you time off for your right. Yep. And they have to, if I understand it correctly, if you get called up to go somewhere. You've got to, They have to be able to provide that job yeah. to you when you come back. Is that right? right? Yep. That hasn't changed. No. We actually have uh, an officer at the South Bend facility whose his last day working will be this Thursday, and he's going overseas. Uh, he's he's a guard member and mm. he's been activated. So, yeah, that happens from time to time. And you bring him back when he comes absolutely. back. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So, Steve, well, do you like your job working for I, actually, corrections? I love it. I really do. It's it's a uh, it's made a it's made a significant uh, change uh, in, in in my life. Uh, to be honest, I've only been there for a little over a year now. Um, it's it's given me a, a a sense of purpose that I lost um, for for about good see since 2012. Um, outside of being a part of the Wounded Warriors, um, uh, speaking of that, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be working um, if it hadn't been for that, uh, for, for the Wounded Warriors. But since uh, working, it's brought me back into a part of a team. Um, it's given me a sense of purpose. Um, I'm back to, um, for lack of better terms, it's given me a, a mission-oriented uh, again. I have a mission, um, whereas before I was just doing literally nothing but watching time pass yeah. before me. Yeah. You know. Now um, you have a reason to get up in the morning yeah. and get dressed. And um, the, the one thing that irritated me the most was when I did bring that up, everybody would say, well, you do have a mission. You're a father. You're a grandfather. Well, yeah, no, I know that. I, that's the obvious. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't you don't get it there is uh, there's a deeper part sure. of me that's missing because um, the ultimate goal in 2000 before 2012 was is i still had like four more years left on my contract because last year would have been my 30th year oh, my. and uh that was the goal 
Um, but then my daughter happened to come across the ad for the uh, Chain of Lakes, and she sent that to me, and I immediately applied. And I think it was the next day I got the phone call, and I went in for the interview, and lo and behold, here I am. And and in reality, I, I want our listeners to understand, too, that when you get into these uh, community corrections and reentry programs and stuff, those people, they're wanting to change their life. They've made those decisions to do the right thing and try hard. So they're not, they're not like, it's not like working in the jail where, you know, you still got a lot of tiffs going on and are, you know, battles between inmates and stuff that these people are more in line of wanting to be a team player too and, and, and make the right choices and they so they look up to you guys they do to they, to they help do. them make those right choices they do and and, and the, these you know the one thing about it is is it, uh, and this is how i look at it and 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 i'm not afraid to say it is is i look at you know these i could be easily just where these guys are because well you're helping them and in the same way, turn around, they're helping you. Because yeah, at one point, when I first got home, I, w- I was a train wreck. I'm not going to lie. You know, I, I I drank really heavily. I had gotten myself in, you know, some minor trouble. You know, if I hadn't changed my life and mm-hmm. turned it around, I could easily be just where them guys are. And these guys are on, you know, especially where I I work there at Chain Lakes in South Bend. These guys are on their on their way out. They're on their way home, mm-hmm. and they should be treated as such. You know. Well, there- you know, that's right. Nobody's there by accident. So I, I like to <laughs> I like to tell people that I'm the I'm, I think I might be the only warden in the Department of Correction where every man at that facility has asked to come there. He has requested that <laughs> transfer. So uh, with that comes responsibility to be part of the community, and that's why we build it just like a community. So yeah, everybody has a responsibility just like we do. You get there, you start thinking about somebody else. Yeah. This is not about you anymore. Now serve someone else. Uh, I mean, just start with real basic stuff and uh, – I'm the one warden. I think that uh, every other warden in the department, their job is to keep these guys behind the walls and don't let them get out. And my and job is to get them out. Get them out. So yeah. it's 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 a they call it. We like to say flipping the script on people. You know, I mean, it's a completely different yeah. environment. Well, uh, I need to plug something here before we run out of time. Okay. Get, uh, Stephen, you might be interested. I've I've talked to you about uh, VA benefits and disability and ratings and all that. I want to remind everybody that on um, the National Service Officer, John Rodriguez and his crew of, of uh, qualified service officers, national level is about, I think it's the highest level you can be. He can actually, certif- he's certified to work with people and help them file claims on their behalf and represent them anywhere in the world. He'll be here. He's been coming. Uh, we've had to change the schedule a little bit. He's in such demand. But... All veterans, regardless of your affiliation, you don't have to be a member of the American Legion, the DAV, VFW, or anything like that. You could that. be a Marine. Yeah, you a could, Marine. Like, yeah. like Ren. Yeah. Or you could be an Army guy or a Navy guy. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't He'll matter. help y'all. Even stubborn Marines. I mean, stubborn <laughs> military people, you know, <laughs> can come. We want them to come. Several people have been coming and have been getting some good results. Uh He's there to help. His group is there to help. 
come on out. It's at, uh, we've changed our, our meeting time to the, uh, now this September only, September only, it'll be Saturday the 17th. That's the third Saturday. We And then after that, we'll go back to the second Saturday. But Saturday, September 17th at 2 p.m., 1305 West Harrison Street in Plymouth. That's the, what, the senior... Older adult services. Oh, I get all mixed Life up. Life Enrichment, Enrichment Center. Life Enrichment. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. But uh, he'll be there. Steve, I'd like to invite you. I know you you uh, can can have them. They'll go in, they go into your, your medical record. They can see exactly. And they try to, to get you increased if you have disabilities or get you even disabilities for compensation started. So they're there to help. So come on out and... Um, As we say, they know the magic words to put exactly. on the application to make, yeah. get Th- action. About 28 years of experience <laughs> he has working with the VA to get people. So thank you so much, uh, Warden, and thank you thank so you. much, Sergeant. Uh, uh, it's a pleasure, and uh, thank you for opening up and uh, sharing... Yeah. It's very interesting. Plymouth community, I hope mm-hmm. you're hearing it's more than missing a Thanksgiving or a Christmas or your child's birth. That's that's not the easiest thing to do. But there's a lot of things that military people have experienced. We all have a different story. And there's always something in the story that's unpleasant. Steve shared a lot of that today, and I thank you for it. Yeah, thank, you. Thank, thank you. Kathy, yeah, thank, thank you, guys. Thank you, Rusty. Appreciate it. All right. Let's take a break. Are you looking for a new hauler for trash removal? Call Apex Waste, large or small, we'll take your call. When you choose Apex Waste, there's no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and no taxes. What we say is what you pay. Apex Waste is a local family-owned company that is dedicated to reliable, friendly service. Call Apex Waste at 574-896-APEX. That's 574-896-2739. Or visit us online at apexwaste.net. This summer, play skee-ball scratch-off and fast-play games from the Hoosier Lottery. With two new ways to play and chances to win instant prizes, you can get the fun rolling on summer today. Don't miss out. Only from the Hoosier Lottery. Imagine that. Play responsibly. Want to know how the big game's going to turn out Friday? Well, tune in to WTCA, M1050, FM 106.1, and find out straight from the coach's mouth. Thursday night lights, we visit with every one of the high school football coaches in Marshall County to talk about their big game coming up on Friday night. 7 o'clock Thursday night. Thursday night lights right here on your home for Plymouth Sports, WTCA.
are tuned to FM 106.1 and AM 1050 WTCA in Plymouth, Indiana. And what's your opinion? Phone lines are open at 574-936-4096. So call now and join the fun. Now here's Kathy and Rusty. It is a Manic Monday here on WTCA in Plymouth. I uh, got news coming up in just a moment, but first we have to do this. Birthday time. You have a birthday. We're going to wish you a happy birthday. Your name is going in the hat. You're going to be eligible for four cupcakes from La Dessert Cafe. Also, free small drink from the Coffee Lodge and a bouquet of flowers from Cajun Creek. Happy birthday today to Becky Bachman. Becky, happy birthday to you. And Becky, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you share a birthday with my son, Nathan, who, uh, I don't know, he's an indiscriminate age. I, he, he graduated from college. He's in that, that age. Yeah, it's in my phone, so I, yeah, anyway. All right, happy birthday, Nate. Happy birthday, Becky, and happy birthday to all of you out there who will send your names to us so you can be eligible for those prizes coming up on Friday. Don't have uh, any anniversaries today. We got some coming up. You still have a little time if you got married in August. Send us that date, your names, and you will be eligible for 50 bucks from Deaton Clemens Van Gilder Funeral Home just because they want you to have a happy anniversary. Now it's time for trading post. You can buy, sell, trade, giveaway. Four items, four days, four free zones. Our business for those items. We'll lose them for sale. Uh, we have for sale two skylights. Ooh. 22 by 46 inches and another one 28 by 46 inches. $35 each. You want a skylight? It sounds cool. Uh, 574-936-2329. That's 574-936-2329. That is the trading post for today. And that's all I have for today. I just killed my computer to look for tomorrow. Oh, okay. Oh, for tomorrow's guest? Yeah. Uh, believe... Oh, Why will the mouse? mouse not even... Uh, Tech Talk is at 8.30, and Sheriff Hassel will be with us. Oh, that's great. At 9.30. Sheriff Matt, uh, Sheriff Matt Hassel, Matt Pitney, and Josh Pitts from the Marsh County Sheriff's Department will be in Very good. on Tuesday. All right. So that is tomorrow. So be sure you have your radio dial set to FM 106.1 or AM 1050, whichever you prefer, and join us at 9 o'clock. Till then, have a great day. You're listening to FM 106.1 and AM 1050, WTCA, Plymouth. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. There's been a drastic weather swing in the drought-stricken west and south. Torrential rain overnight led to high water rescues across the Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex. A hiker is missing in the Utah mountains after a sudden deluge swamped a campground. James Clifford lives in the now-flooded area of northeastern New Mexico, scarred by a huge wildfire earlier this summer. I've lived here for 50 years. This is like a 500-year flood, not a 100-year flood. This never happened. Flood warnings and watches are posted across 
across North Texas and parts of Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Mississippi. Jim Crisula, CBS News. Today, Russia's top counterintelligence agency is blaming Ukrainian spy services for organizing the car bomb that killed the daughter of a top Putin ally just outside Moscow. The BBC's Sasha Schlichter. Without producing any evidence, the FSB said a Ukrainian intelligence agent, Natalia Vovk, and her daughter entered Russia in July and rented a flat in the same Moscow residential block where Daria Dugina lived. She died when her car was torn apart by a bomb on her way back. After that, according to the FSB, they made their escape to Estonia. President Putin is calling it a vile crime. Ukraine denies any involvement. We're learning new details about the FBI search at Mar-a-Lago. Former President Trump's lawyers are planning to ask a judge to appoint a neutral party to review and possibly return evidence collected at his Florida estate. Correspondent Robert Costa is at the federal courthouse in West Palm Beach. According to the unsealed FBI search warrant and property receipt, 